God's word is his weapon for revival and transformation of lives for his glory. Prepare your heart as you receive the word of God coming to you from Calvary Way Revival Labors. For inquiries and counsel, you can send an email to calvaryrevivallabors at gmail.com or call 08065607999. God bless you as you listen and obey. Father, we thank you for this hour. Our hearts are ready for the reception of your word. Speak forth your word of life. And let our life receive transformation this evening. By the reason of your word. In Jesus mighty name we pray. Amen. Shout a better one. Amen. Sit down as we open to the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 29. Genesis chapter 1, the very first book of the Bible. The Lord has prepared great things for us in this last quarter of the year that we just entered. And we want to start the journey today. The theme that he gave us to look at for the quarter says, The Recovery of Kingdom Dominion Mandate. And God said, verse 26 of Genesis 1, Let us make man in our own image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, God created, image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Everybody, verse 28, want to go. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Amen. The original purpose of God for creating man on the earth is to extend his government of heaven onto the earth. What did I say? To extend what? The government of heaven to the earth. His intention and purpose is that the invisible kingdom of heaven should be extended to the visible earth through the man that he has created. In other words, God wants to rule the earth from heaven through the man. And so, after he finished creating the first man, he gave them a mandate to dominate the earth. 
by the church God gave them to have dominion over the earth. God made the man his extended agency for government on the earth. That is to say, he is in heaven, but he is ruling on the earth through this man. And that was why he actually made the man in his own image. God did not create man on the earth to go to heaven. If God wanted man to live in heaven, heaven is invisible and people that live there are spirits. Are you hearing me at all? God decided to create a man on the earth with a physical body. Touchable, tangible body. Because the earth is physical and tangible. If he wanted to create another spirit, like the angels, he doesn't need to come down. You remember that he came down and molded the dust. Are you getting me? No, he didn't plan after molding the dust on the earth. The dust and the man that has the physical body will just translate to spirit and go to heaven. Is that what God planned? No. His plan is that he should have a man on the earth. That was why he gave them that, you know, he first of all created every other thing. Created the fish of the sea and each of those creations, he just spoke and said, let there be um, fish. Let there be birds of the air. And they are coming out. And after the creation, the Bible says, he now created man in his own image after his own likeness. And he said to the man, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and fill it, subdue it and take over, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the best of the air, over the creeping things that creeped upon the earth, over the cattle, and over all the earth. So that is his purpose, that is his plan. To have a man on the earth that will rule on his behalf. But what he actually equipped the man to be able to rule for him is his own life. He gave him his own life. That was why the Bible said, after he finished creating the man, he breathed into his nostril the breath of his life. And when he breathed into the nostril of that molded dust, the breath of his life, the Bible said the man became a living soul. So by giving him his own life, he has equipped the man with something powerful to rule for him on the earth. Now, note that God did not create man to have dominion over another man. When he was saying to the man, have dominion, he didn't say, have dominion over the fish of the sea, have dominion over the bed of the air, 
have dominion over other human beings that you will give birth to. Yeah. Do you know why? The reason is simple. Every man is created in the same image and the likeness of God. And that is what makes the man to have the capacity to dominate for God. So, this person is in the image of God, in the likeness of God, and so he has the life to rule. Dominate means to rule. To govern. To master. To control. That is to say, if this man is to rule for God on the earth, and this other person is to rule for God on the earth, both of them are to be kings, because it's only kings that rule. And so, each king has to rule in his own area. The only king of kings is he, the king of heaven. While everybody is supposed to be what? Kings. Ruling for God in a particular area of life, in a particular geographical location of the earth. If you are following me, let me see an up. If you are following me. Good. So, when the first man, Adam, disobeyed God, he lost the life of God. God spoke to him and said, in the day you shall eat this fruit, you shall die. The life that I gave you, that will enable you to rule for me on the earth, will depart from you. We have the story that the disobeyed God and lost the life. Now, when they lost the life, they lost the ability to rule and dominate for God. And so, the animals that are supposed to be dominated, be ruled, be controlled by man, a good number of them rose up and turned against man. For example, there are some animals, fowls of the air, that can fight a man and kill a man, three of us. There are some animals that are in the sea that can fight a man and kill a man, isn't it? There are some that are on the ground, the cattle, the, all the ground animals are referred to as the cattle. There are some of them that, so, in fact, a good number of them that can tear man into pieces, three of us. It's not supposed to be so. That's not God's intention. And then over the earth means over every other thing on the earth, both living and non-living. The moment the man lost that life, lost the dominion, the devil took over. In fact, that was at the point the Bible said he was made the prince of this world. That is, he became the ruler of this world. And because he became the king of this world, he began to control and manipulate the world. In fact, his activity on the earth in that first generation became so much as he manipulated men to drift away from God to the extent that in Genesis chapter 6, God said, I don't want to see man on the earth again because all the imaginations of his heart, they are continually evil. So there's no point having man on the earth. He does not profit me again. The reason why I created man is not being achieved. Nothing is happening again. Therefore, I take man away from the earth. But he preserved Noah and his family. Because the Bible said they were righteous before him. 
The devil continued to oppress man in various dimensions. It was actually this loss of God's life that brought so many things that man is suffering. Fear. Limitations, intimidations, causes, poverty, lack, sicknesses, diseases, bondages, oppressions of the devil, sadness and sorrows. These things are not supposed to be parts of man. Sickness was not created by God for man to suffer it. Disease is not an option in the heart of God for man when he was creating man. Are you getting me? When God finished creating the first man, he didn't want him to be poor. No. As a matter of fact, the Bible said that he gave him the whole garden of Eden and said, you are free to eat all the fruits. You can imagine the garden that God himself planted. And there are four rivers that are supplying clean water, not this one that we are drinking. For man to drink clean water, eat good food without lack. But the fall brought lack, brought sicknesses, brought poverty, brought bondages. The same Satan is now oppressing man. Jesus met a woman that was bent like this in a synagogue one, one day. And said to the woman, you are loosed. And when he said to the woman, you are loosed, the Bible said the woman you know, got strengthened up. And then the Pharisees, the hypocrites, they were like, why are, you going, why are we healing on the Sabbath day? And Jesus spoke to them and said, any one of you that has a sheep, when your sheep fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, you will go and bring it out. You will not wait for Sabbath day to finish. Eh? Now, this is the daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years. Can you imagine that kind of thing? Satan will now see a man and do what? Bind him. And the, man, the woman is like this. She, went to, she couldn't for 18 years. Every sickness you see that men suffer, every kind of negativity around the life of any man is not coming from God. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Are you hearing me? They are not part of the kingdom. They are not supposed to be existing in the kingdom of our father. It is as a result of the fall that these things began to come to trouble man. God in his infinite mercies and love decided to show us great love by sending Jesus to the earth. And his original purpose again for sending him is so that he will recover this dominion mandate that Adam lost. That was why Jesus was called the last Adam and the second man. The name that the Bible called Jesus is what? The second man. The first man is Adam. And everybody that you know he gave birth to is in the lineage of the first man. The second man, the Bible says he came from heaven. He didn't come from the earth. Are you getting that? And then he is the last Adam because there is not going to be another Adam because he has recovered the dominion mandate. He has recovered it for us. And that was why the prayer point we took now, he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
eh, that whatsoever you bind on earth will be what? That is dominion. That is ruler, ru- ru- rulership. That what you say will happen, heaven will sign it and back it up. That's what God intended for Adam. Are you getting it? And so Jesus, when he began to preach, after 30 years, the Bible says he began to preach and say, Repent ye, for the kingdom of God has come. That's at hand that you used to see there. What it means is that what? The kingdom has come. I have carried the kingdom back. Adam lost it, but I came with it again. And he began to preach the message of the kingdom. In fact, in Luke chapter 4 verse 43, he said, I must preach the gospel of the kingdom. Let's read it. Luke 4 43. Open your Bible quickly to Luke chapter 4 verse 43. I must preach. Okay, yes. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For therefore am I sent. That is why I am sent. Why was he sent? Why did he come to the earth? He came to the earth to declare, to proclaim, to preach the kingdom. Kingdom means the king's domain. We are the king of heaven. Listen, you remember that when the disciples one day in Luke 11 said to him, Master, teach us, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And he began to teach them, these are the patterns you are going to follow anytime you want to pray. He said, whenever you want to pray, the first thing to say is our father. You connect with him. Because he is in heaven and he's not planning to come to, to the earth because God is spirit. If he wants to come to the earth, he, would have, he cannot live on the earth with a spirit body. He has to have a human body. But he's in the heaven. He said, hallow be your name. Worship him. Praise him and hallow his name. And then after that, the next thing is what? Let your kingdom do what? Come down to the earth. That was what Adam lost. That was what God intended. Adam lost it. Now, let the kingdom of heaven do what? Come down to the earth. And let your will be done on earth as it is done we are in heaven. Jesus did not ask them to pray that they should go to heaven and live. How many of you would like to pray that prayer? They say pray that heaven will come down. On the earth. Or pray that you will go to heaven. Which one will you pray? <laughs> I think somebody sang a song. I say, I want to go to heaven. We will go to heaven. But what we are saying is that. For the fact that God has brought you to this earth. He didn't bring you to this earth to just go to heaven. Sometimes you see people, religious people that are just, you know, wasting their time. They say they are waiting for the coming of Christ. Yes, we are waiting. But, were you created just to wait for the coming of Christ? Isn't the Christ himself say to you, occupy until I what? Until I show up. Rule. Take over. 
have dominion. Let the kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life. Let your will be done in my family. Let your will be done in everything around me. Let your will be done in Nigeria. Not the will of man. His will. That's what Jesus taught them to pray. Anytime you want to pray, pray that the kingdom will come. And that the will of God should be done in your life, first of all. As it is being done in heaven. That's the mandate. That's what God intended for Adam and for every man. If the will of God is not being done in any man's life, that man is a source of regret to God. God is saying, ah, I created this one to be an extension of my government on the earth, but he is not doing my will. And so Jesus, one day, he cast a demon out in Matthew chapter 12. And then the Pharisee said he's casting a demon out by Beelzebub. From verse 25 to 28, he began to explain to them, Beelzebub is the prince of demons. So they said, forget about this man. He's casting demons out by the prince of demons. And Jesus said to them, no, 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 no. He said, a kingdom that is divided against itself cannot stand. He said, Satan has a kingdom. And Satan can never divide himself against himself. He said, if I cast demon out, verse 28, look at it on the screen. Okay, show us verse 27. He said, and if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. So go, go ahead. He said, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, what has happened? Then the kingdom has come to you. You need to understand what is playing out here. The devil is ruling and controlling things around people by his demons. Demons cause sickness. Demons cause people to sin and rebel against God. Sometimes you see somebody, he wants to do what is right. I remember a young man who came to me when I was head of department in UNN. And he said to me, he's supposed to be an, an, a, 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 um, he's supposed to have graduated from the department, but he's having some issues. And he's trying to clear them up. So when he came, he said, sir, I have a problem. I said, what is your problem? He said, I believe that I am not normal. The way I commit masturbation, I am convinced that this is not a normal human being anymore. When I began to pray for him, it was serious. Demons that we are living in his body, they have to go. Why are they going? They are going because a new kingdom has come. Are you following me at all? The devil rules by his spirit. And so when God released the Holy Ghost, the spirit of God, he released him so that by the power of the spirit, we will be able to demonstrate that the new kingdom is here. That's why we pray for the sick and the sick get healed. 
Because in our kingdom, sickness is not represented at all. Everything that is not in heaven is not supposed to be in your life. If the kingdom mandate has been recovered, have you heard of anybody sick in heaven? Do you think that they are poor over there in heaven? Listen carefully. Listen carefully. When Jesus was about to start preaching in Luke 4, he got baptized by John, and the Bible said in verse 1, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then he went into the wilderness, and after spending 40 days, the Bible said in verse 14, he returned in the power of the Spirit. And then, he entered the synagogue and picked up a scroll, the book of Isaiah, and began to read. You see that in Luke 4, 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because he has what? He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. To the what? To the poor. This is not spiritually poor, please. This is actually physically poor. He wants to show the poor that the kingdom has come and you don't need to remain poor. Because in the kingdom of heaven, there is no poor man. What else again? He has sent me to do what? To heal the brokenhearted. In the kingdom of God, there is no sorrow and sadness. What is to preach what? Deliverance to the captives. Who are the captives? Those that are bound by sin, by the devil, by sickness, by one trouble or the other. What else? The recovery of the sight to the blind. Representing miracle signs and wonders. And then to set at liberty those that are bruised. That word bruised means oppressed. Those that are oppressed of the devil. See, that's why I came. This is why I came. I came to manifest and to show forth the kingdom. That the kingdom of God is here. And in that kingdom, there is no poor person. In that kingdom, there is no broken-hearted person. Everybody is full of joy. Sadness and sorrow, things that causes people to weep and shed tears, are not part of that kingdom. I have come that the captives shall be made free. Captives. You see yourself being manipulated in the dream, in the physical, being oppressed by witchcraft, by the devil in one way or the other. The recovery of the sight of the blind and to set at liberty those that are oppressed. So it is happening in every direction. I want to say this. Please listen carefully. If you are part of this kingdom, eh, how you will know is to check your life and know whether the things that are happening in your life are happening in heaven. In heaven, there is no sin and disobedience. If you are still disobeying God, living in sin, then you are not 
part of this kingdom. In heaven, there is no sickness. There is no disease. There is no sorrow. There is no sadness. There is no manipulation. There is no limitation. There is no intimidation. There is no fear. If these things are not in your life the way they are over there, then this quarter you will recover all. That which has been stolen by the enemy, you will recover the kingdom back to your life. In the name of Jesus Christ. And so for today, as I prayed, God said we should start with the recovery of the kingdom keys for financial dominion. Kingdom keys for what? Listen, we are to dominate in every area. So we want to start. And we are starting from where? From where? From the poor. That's the first thing there. To preach what? The gospel to the what? So that's where we are beginning. How many of you want to be poor? Raise your hand. <laughs> Somebody is saying, are you saying want to be poor when I'm already poor? Okay, how many of you want to move from poverty to wealth and be established in the kingdom wealth? <laughs> Amen. You need to know that Jesus was not poor while he was here. Eh? There are so many evidences that proved that he was not a poor man. Somebody who is feeding 12 hefty men on daily basis, is he a poor man? And he has a treasurer. That is a bursary department. Who is the bosser? Judas. Judas. You know, as you are now, do you think about employing an accountant for your personal money? You ask yourself, how much do I have? Because you'll be paying the accountant. Somebody that was born, even though he was born in a manger, wise men from the east, they said a king is born. A king is what? Born. They interpreted the star and they traveled came to Herod and said to Herod, where is the newborn king? We saw his star far away in the east. We want to worship him. And this man came and offered costly, you know, gifts unto him. We are going to see more of that later, but I want us to first of all, you know, look at the keys, as please pay very serious attention this evening because many of us are moving out of poverty in this season. Amen. We are in a, in a very particular season where, you know, things are hard. You need to be a deaf and blind man so that you will not be able to see and hear the way things are currently in our time, 
in our nation, in our generation. Things are costly, true of us. And many people are suffering. God has come to our rescue. I'm sure we are not going to finish this this evening. But we are going to you know, trust him to move us a distance. So, kingdom keys for financial dominion. Now, under this topic, we are going to look at um, understanding financial dominion. We are going to look at what are the motivations for financial dominion. And we are going to look at the you know, components of financial dominion. And we are going to look at the keys themselves. Now, the word financial dominion or the phrase financial dominion is made up of two words. Financial and dominion. Both of them we are combined to form financial dominion. And we need to understand two of them so that we can understand the phrase. Financial is from finance and finance simply means money. Dominion means to rule, to control, to master, and to manage. Financial dominion, therefore, can be literally defined, simply defined, as the ability to rule, control, manage, and master money. Now, that's um, a literal meaning. If we are going to have a comprehensive definition of that uh, phrase, we will need to look at the basic character of money. Basic character of money. There are seven basic characters of money that you you must know. Seven different characters of money that if you are ignorant of it, God always cry out, say, my people perish for lack of what? Ignorance is the greatest disease any man can suffer when you don't know. Now, I said, if we are going to understand this phrase, financial dominion, we need to um, look at, because we said literally is to control, manage money, and all of that. But to understand it comprehensively, properly, and better, we need to look at the basic character of money. And there are seven of them. Let's read Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. Let's be fast so that we can run through them quickly. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. Okay. Let's go together. If you, if you look at the screen, if you have not gotten it. No man can serve two masters. Why? For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That is to say, mammon, that is money, and the spirit behind it, is a master. So dangerous a master that Jesus ranked money above Satan. He didn't say you cannot serve God and Satan. Are you getting that? Money is a master that is looking for servants to master. And that scripture says, 
No man. You don't have the capacity of serving God and at the same time serving money. That is to say some human beings are what? Servants of money. And what does it mean to serve money? To serve money is to move, decide, act, feel at the control or dictate of money. Every of your decision is as a result of money. The way you behave, the way you do things is determined by money. That's one character of money. It seeks to master so that he will have servants. Number two, money seeks to control the heart of man by its ability to solve problems. You know that when you have money, you can use the money to solve a problem, isn't it? Assuming that you are hungry and you want to eat and you have money. You know that that money can, can help you to solve that problem of hunger, isn't it? Now, by the reason of that, if you are not careful, you will think that money is everything. That money can solve every problem. No. That's one of the things money does. Money deceives. In fact, Jesus talked about the deceitfulness of riches. One of the ways money deceives men is to make you think that all you need in life is what? But you will notice that sometimes and most times when people get money, they still have problems. In fact, there are sicknesses that have defied money. Two of us. The doctor will say, please carry yourself and go to your house. Eh? I cannot do anything. And then you will now know that beyond money that there is someone. Who is that person? God. Money can deceive you to believe that is a controller. So he seeks to master, he seeks to control your heart by making you think that he can do everything. Do you know that if you don't have money and you have God and you pray to God that God can, you know, move things and money will come to you. Number three, money has what we call insatiable nature and character. Please open to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Let's read quickly verse um, 10 to 17 very fast. Uh, I would like to read that from a um, new international version, but you can be looking at the looking at the screen. If you are not with your Bible, look at your Bible as we read from verse 10. New International Version NIV says, Whosoever loves money never have enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. He said, this too is meaningless. When the Bible says whoever, you know that it's whoever. Five, five verse uh, ten, not ten seventeen. Whoever loves money, whoever loves money, we never have enough money. And anybody who loves wealth, we never be satisfied with their income. 
Excuse me. When God speaks, you better listen. Because the word of God is truth. Go ahead. Next verse. He said, as goods increase, so do, do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The, lab, the sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they are little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. Their abundance permits them no sleep. I want to be a rich man. I want to be a rich man. The moment you become rich, they said you will lose your sleep. How many of you, in the night, when you want to sleep, you are thinking about uh, armed robbers coming to carry you and attack you? Some of you will say, if they want to come, make it, let them come. What will they find in my, in my, in my pocket? Eh? Hey, search, whatever you want to carry, carry. Waiting concern me. Because you know that you don't have. But the moment people have, the next thing is that they become what? Afraid. They become worried. They lose their peace. Amen. So he said, whoever have money, go back to verse, uh, yeah, you will never be satisfied with it. That is why, if you are, <laughs> uh, maybe you are looking for a work or you are working somewhere and they are paying you 10,000 naira. You will notice that when they are paying you 10,000 naira, that 10,000 that you are managing it and everything is enough. But the moment the money is increased to 50,000 naira, you will still discover that it looks as if the 50,000 naira is no longer enough. In fact, sometime before the money will arrive, you are finished calculating. Some civil servants, before the money is paid, they are finished spending it. Amen. Number four, money is unrighteous in its character because it can be gotten through unrighteous mean, means. Like this, come. This brother has money, come also. This brother has money in his pocket. This one has money in his pocket. And this one has 50,000 naira. This one has 50,000 naira. But the means through the, which this one got is 50,000 naira is through Wayo. 419, Yahoo, Yahoo. Stealing. This one got its own through. Are you getting it? So, but when they go to market, they will use the same money and buy something. Is that not unrighteous? Is, is that justice? Are you getting me? If, if money is to be playing justice, then. It means that anybody who gets it by unrighteousness, eh, he, will, he will refuse to work. The moment you get the money by unrighteousness, if you want to use it to pay for something, the thing will disappear. And say, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm a money of justice. You know, God is the God of justice. But somebody can get the same money through unrighteous means and still use it to do something. And even the money that people are giving you as they are buying, do you know how they collected it? Do you know how they made it? Some of the money that you collected has changed in the market yesterday. We are gotten from prostitution. You are not getting me. Some Yahoo Yahoo boys got money and used it, enter market and paid and they gave you the money. It entered your hand. So that thing you call money is unrighteous, basically. Because it's not, 
when we say he's unrighteous, he doesn't play justice. But only God is a God of what? Do you understand that now? That's number four. Number five, go back. Money can change the character of the one that has it as it increases. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. You will notice that people become are humble, are gentle when they don't have money. But the moment they have money, what happened? Their character changes. Look at the Bible. It says, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant. That is to say, there is a tendency that those who are rich should be what? Arrogant. High-minded. King James called it high-minded. Sometimes you see somebody saying, oh God, bless me with money. Oh God, bless me. The moment as if God is answering that prayer and money increases, the same person will stop attending fellowship. Have you noticed that before? By the time you are calling me and say, brother, I say, which one is brother? You are addressing me with a brother. Don't you know who I am? Pride will enter in. The Bible says, please get King James. King James says that they should not be high-minded. So, when you are influenced by money, you know, that's one of, one of the things God does. God knows, knows us more than we know ourselves. So, sometimes as you are praying and say, God bless me, bless me. God knew that you are only born again, following him just because you don't have money yet. The moment the money increases, eh? you will no longer be who you are. Money changes character of people. It controls the character of those that owns it. That's number five. Number six, money can shift a man's heart from God onto itself. Look at that same scripture. He said, charge them that are rich in, the, in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in what? Uncertain riches. Money is uncertain. And yet, even though it's uncertain, it can take away your heart. That is why, when you invested in MMM, what do you notice about your heart? Eh? You will see your heart on that investment. That was why Jesus said, let your investment be in the things that concerns the kingdom. Because where your treasures is, that is where what? Your heart will be. So if you want your heart to be with God, make God your treasure. Because if you treasure money above God, you will, your heart will naturally trust in money. Trust in uncertain riches. You know what it means to trust in money? You believe that money can solve your problem more than God. You are holding on to it. So many people have trusted in money and they got disappointed. So much disappointed. In fact, even if you say you are doing investments, every investment is a risk. Because tomorrow is uncertain and money is uncertain. You don't know what will happen. Money can control your feelings. Because you trusted in it. The moment you, what you are expecting did not come, you see yourself sad. That's control. 
So if money wants to control your feeling now, make you to be happy, it will just enter your alert. And then you say, hey! So you see your happiness and your sadness being manipulated and controlled by money. Money is a controller. That's a character. And then finally, money can be used to exchange a man's souls. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 verse 36, he said, what shall he profit a man that he shall do what? He shall gain the whole world. Gain is a business word. Am I correct? He shall gain. So, you will, when you make business transaction, what comes to you is what? A gain. That he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul. Gain and lose. So, that is a transaction that took place. And then when you look at the next verse, verse 37, he said, and what shall a man exchange his soul with? So money has exchanged the soul of so many people. That's why a man can do anything. You see some people, they are ready to tell lies. They are ready to kill people. They are ready to do so many evil things. Provided they get money. They are actually exchanging their soul. The devil came to Jesus and said, Jesus... I offer you the word. He showed him all the kingdoms of this world. Eh? And all their glories. That's one of the temptations. And let me tell you, everything Jesus was tempted with, you will be tempted with it too. Eh? And he said, I will give you these things if you will what? Just fall down and worship me. Then you will have them. You know what he's asking you to do? Give me your soul and I will give you the world. Eh? Give me your soul and I will give you a job. Give me a bribe of 200,000 naira and you will have the job. Give your body. Let me sleep with you and then you will be promoted. Get money. And so you will have admission. Go and do exam and practice. Go and go to special center, pay, collect answers, and just. That's why Third John chapter two said, "God is speaking there." Get it? Third John chapter two say, "I wish above all things that you shall prosper and be in good health, even as your soul does what." Oh my God! That's the difference between. The prosperity of a Christian and the prosperity of an unbeliever, somebody who is not a Christian. Both of them prospers. But while the other person is prospering at the expense of his soul, he can do anything just to get money, just to get job, just to get promoted. He can compromise his Christianity. As long as he will get that gain, your soul will be growing lean. But your pocket is growing fat. That is a dangerous state. And that is shifting that person gradually to hell. But there is a prosperity. Somebody say hallelujah. That a man can be prospering and at the same time, his soul is what? That's what we call financial dominion. 
that you can have control over money. So look at now, after we have looked at the seven basic characters of money. Now look at the definition of financial dominion. The correct comprehensive definition of dominating money. Financial dominion means the mastery and the management of money with the aim of ruling and controlling it as it increases abundantly. Should I go, come back? Financial dominion is what? The mastery and the management of money. Two things. Mastery. And what? Management of what? Money. With the aim of what? Ruling it and controlling it even as it increases abundantly. The money is increasing abundantly. But because you have mastered it and you are managing it, eh, you can control it and you will rule over it. Why? Let me ask. How many of you like the teaching we are doing today? You like the teaching? You like teaching about money? I think I should get some money around so that you, you will like it better. Let me say this. You know, sometimes you, you find out that teachings like this are not being taught the body of Christ. So you see people, they lack essential knowledge that will enable them to... That's why sometimes you see Christians, they are either in this extreme or in the other extreme. In one extreme, they say, ah, I should not touch money. Eh? My man, where you go? And where in Jesus? Or do you hear Koron Molly? What of you when you go with Jesus? Eh, when you go to Wanile... I am created to dominate the earth for my God. Are you hearing me? Yes, I'm in charge here. I'm ruling for him. I'm extending his kingdom. I see so, so many of us moving out of where we are currently financially to the higher realm of financial dominion in the name of Jesus Christ. So some people are in one extreme saying, eh, Money is sin. Money is not sin. Bible did not say so. Money only said the love of money. So money will lure you to love it so that it will control you instead of you being in charge. Then some other people are in other extreme where they are pursuing money at the expense of their... Nobody is teaching them how to do the balance. And because they are not learning it from the church, they will go and start reading business books and other books that will teach them how to exchange their soul in pursuit of mammon. And the body of Christ gives suffering. God has come to our rescue. Tell your neighbor, God has visited us. He has come. So we said, financial dominion, therefore, is the mastery and the management of money with the aim of ruling it and controlling it as it increases abundantly. The goal of financial dominion, listen carefully, 
is to increasingly prosper financially as your soul prospers until you come to the point where you have totally conquered poverty and financial hardship together with all the effects that they bring. I repeat, the goal of financial dominion is to increasingly prosper financially as your soul prospers until you come to the point where you have what? Totally escaped, conquered poverty and financial hardship together with all the effects that it comes with. The implication of this is that it is only those that know God. It's only those that, you know, have yielded to God that can attend financial dominion. Eh? It is not possible for anybody who have not submitted and surrendered to Jesus as his Lord to attend financial dominion. You can only maybe got financial prosperity. Eh? Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is a difference between financial prosperity and financial dominion. An unbeliever can have financial prosperity. A believer can have financial prosperity. But an unbeliever can never attain financial dominion. Because when you come to financial dominion, you are talking about having financial prosperity. And at the same time, instead of the money controlling and you know, manipulating you, you are what? The money is under you. The money is not affecting your character. You are an usher before you become a millionaire. After you become a billionaire, you are still an usher. Your character has not changed. You used to clean the, 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 the meeting place before you become a millionaire. Yet, the moment you become a millionaire, you are still coming on time, cleaning it. Your character has not changed. That's financial dominion. No unbeliever can, can do that. Do you doubt that? Nobody without Christ can achieve that. It's not possible. If you agree with me, let me stand up. It takes Christ in you to reach where? Financial dominion. That's the... Everybody will keep running. Believer, unbeliever. Getting money, getting money. When you reach the line of financial prosperity, the unbelievers will stop then the believers should strive to get to what? Dominion. Because at the dominion level, the money is still increasing, but your life is still humble, righteous, holy. The money is not affecting you. It's not controlling you. That's why Jesus has the power to do everything, yet he is still humble. When the, 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 the tax collectors caught him, he told Peter, go and fetch a fish in the... You remember the story? That is to say, if he wants to get a million naira, come on, he will just send him to go and get maybe five fishes with, you know, that kind of thing. He has everything in his hand, and yet his character did not change. Dominion. Tell your neighbor, you need to get to financial dominion. That's where we are going. That's what, what listen. God said, have dominion over the earth. Now listen, one of the strategies of the devil that he's using currently to suppress the gospel, suppress the kingdom, 
affects the people of God and the movement of the gospel is by causing believers, Christians, to enter into deep poverty. So you see Christians, if they will open up, you will notice that they are in debt. They are in system of debt. What is system of debt? When A will ask you, give me the money that you borrowed, you go to B and borrow and sell to A. We call it a system of debt. You see pastor's children hating God. Why are they hating God? They say this God that our father served. Why is it that our father is still poor? He can't pay our school fees. Does it happen? Let me tell you the reason why some of these ministers' children are getting wide is because they look at their father, they look at, you know, they say, say he's serving God, but where is the God? The problem is not with God. You will soon notice when we, because we're going to close with, you know, one or two things about poverty. You will notice that it's not God that is the problem. God has made every provision. Second Peter chapter 2 verse Two said, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of Christ. And then in verse 3 he said, according to his divine power that has given to us everything that pertains to life and what God, that is to say, God has made available get to that place, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3 according as his divine power has given unto us everything, all things, somebody say all things that pertain unto life. And what again? Life, number one. Godliness, they are not the same. Life is everything you need to have in life and be happy. Has been provided. Godliness, everything you need to serve God and you know, advance his kingdom has been provided. But it is through what? Through knowledge. Through what? Through knowledge. That's where we normally fail. The ignorance... Is what causes us not to attend there. I hope you are following. Now, before I talk about um, poverty, let me just introduce four components of financial dominion. There are four components. I'm not going to treat it in detail today. Maybe um, next Sunday or next two Sundays. The mastery of money is number one. Number two, the management of money. Number three, the ruling of money. Number four, controlling money. These are four components of financial dominion. We are going to look at it sometime in the future. Now, but I want you to note that the problem we are having and suffering today, even the up and down movement that we seem to be having, you know, please listen. One of the problems we are having currently in the body of Christ is that people will go to church. Eh? And almost every Sunday, there is this kind of, uh, is it launching? Ewa uh, cake. Eh? Or this or that. So people are giving and giving and giving. They will, all manner of, somebody was saying, when they say five offerings, I will change my hundred naira into five times. What is that now? 20, 20, 20 naira. So when they bring the first offering, I will dance and go and give 20 naira. Second offering. So, now, but the problem is that, see, let me tell you, giving is one of the most blessed things you can do. 
But the major problem, because the Bible says give and it shall be given to you. But the major problem is that people that are giving are not taught how to rise financially. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? So you see yourself as you are struggling, you know, struggling. Some, we, some say they are financial gain. Well, is it fundraisers or something like that? You just invite them to raise fund and they will tell you, empty your account, empty your pocket, and people will empty, hoping that they will be blessed at the end of the day. In fact, a lady gave her school fees. When they say empty, and at the end of the day, nothing happened. Another one, a youth copper, saved all the money that she had during youth service. And this man came and said, empty. She emptied. He said, you will get a job. After several months, he didn't get any job. He now went for counseling and said, this is what I was told. And I did. I didn't have a job. Now listen. The truth is that some of those things are not balanced. Somebody say balance. That's where the problem is. Giving is good. If you're not giving, you are not doing well. But we need to learn the balance. If you are having and you are giving, will you feel it? So that's where the problem is. Our pastors, our preachers, reverend, they are trying by motivating us to give. But we need to learn how to rise financially so that you can give with joy. Most times, you know, my father told me that, in fact, he was one telling me that now these days when they go to church, they will bring them out, line them up. They say the children will do their harvest. The uh, teenagers will do. The youth will do. The different organizations will do. Different zones will do. Different... Uh, uh. And each Sunday, there will be a cake. They will bring you out. And if you don't do anything... Amen. But God is... He has come. You know... I was sharing with my wife the dream I had last night. I saw something strange in the house. And as I was thinking about something strange entered here now. Something strange entered here now. The Almighty himself appeared. And began to speak. I didn't see him, but I know it was him. Tell your neighbor, God has visited. This particular quarter of the year shall be the best for you. Everybody under financial hardship and poverty and lack, you are rising up from it. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now let's look at poverty and clothes for today. What is poverty? Poverty is a condition in which a person or a community lacks the financial resources and essentials for minimum standard of living. Eh? It means that the income level of the person from job or business is so low that he can't meet the basic human needs. No good house to live in. No healthy food. No balanced diet. You know, some of us, you have moved from eating three times a day to... To what? Two times. And even the two times, you know that it's not still balanced. Something is haunting you somewhere.
No good water, clean water to drink. And if you need a medical attention, no money to get to the hospital and give yourself medical attention. Sometimes they may be available. These things may be available, but they are not sufficient. Eh? There are sometimes you notice that money is entering your hand, but it's never enough. Am I correct? It's not always enough. Your salary will come, but it's not enough. You, you will make money from your business, but it's not enough. The needs are always more than the money. So you see yourself always in perpetual lack. That's poverty. You are breaking out of it in this season. What causes poverty? There are seven of them. If you are writing, you must be fast. Seven causes of poverty. Number one, ignorance. We have said it before. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 15 said, get it for us. Ecclesiastes 10 15. The labors of the foolish, where is every one of them because they don't know the way to the city. Proverb Ecclesiastes 10 15. Let's read it together. I want to go. The labor of the foolish, where is every one of them because he knoweth not how to go to the... He's in the village, laboring. Once he sees somebody that has money, he says, no, no, go, go. Eh? Once he sees somebody that has something that he will just start accusing the person. Forget about this money, this people are having, is a blood money, it's not true. There are some money that are blood money, but not all money. Are you hearing me? You don't know the way. Ignorance. God was crying concerning his people in Hosea 4 verse 6. He said, my people perish for lack of what? Please get for us Proverbs 13, 18 quickly. Proverbs 13, 18. My people, not other people. My own people. God is crying. They are in lack. They are in poverty. They are dying in hunger because they lack knowledge of how to come out of it. 13.18 says what? Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction. But he that regarded reproof shall be what? When you refuse to learn, learn from your mistakes. Eh? Learn from other people's mistakes. Sometimes you don't need to make the mistake. But you need to read. Other people has passed through the road you are passing through. You need to read and learn what they have passed through. You need to learn from their wisdom. Ignorance. This business you are doing, there are people that have done it in a better way. And they are not hiding their knowledge. They have written it in a book. And you are struggling, trying to reinvent the wheel when there is already a road. You are trying to make a road in the village when there is an express road already. That will take you to the city. The labors of the foolish, where is every one of them? Because they don't know the road. Many, many of us, we have not read, we have not, even that which God has spoken to us. Last month, God showed us seven keys to activating what? Divine blessing. And some of us, you didn't get that. Listen, I have listened to those messages again. And some of them have listened to them again. Me. Collect it from the media. So that we learn. When you apply them, you see yourself coming out of 
poverty. But you will not. He said, poverty and shame will always be to him that refuses what? That's one of the things that causes poverty. Number two. Sin and disobedience to God's word. When Adam sinned against God and disobeyed God in Genesis 3, what happened? God said to Adam, because you have done this, because I gave you instruction what to do, and you refused to do it and did the opposite, cause is the ground for your sake. I'm not cursing you, but you are going to suffer. So when you try to walk, after all workings, the ground will bring tons and testos for you. He said, by your sweat, you will what? You will eat. It's a cause to eat by your sweat. Please tell your neighbor, it's a cause to eat by your sweat. That is the cause of God upon the man. You will struggle, struggle, and that's the problem we are having now that things are changing. God is bringing this timely teaching because he wants to help us in this season. I hope you are getting me. Things are changing. There are some of us that it is what you get in a day that you used to eat for that day. If you are not like that, please, there are people that are like that. So when they say, sit down at home, it's a problem for you. Because you are asking yourself, how can I get what to eat today? Which I normally get today. That course is being reversed today. But as you are saying amen, remember that what led to it is what? Sin and disobedience. If you read Deuteronomy 28 verse 15, you see where God is saying to the man through Moses. He said, if you refuse, please get it. If you refuse, but it shall come to pass. If thou will not hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe, to do all his commandments and his status which I command you this day, that all these causes shall come upon you and overtake you. Causes will come upon any man that refuses to obey God. Causes. It will not just come upon you, it will do what? Overtake you. When God said, do not neglect the assembly of one another, you are neglecting it. Causes. You see yourself, you are struggling. This is how you struggled 10 years ago. Excuse me, can't you rise up and dominate for God? Eh? Increase abundantly and at the same time control money. Financial dominion. Now look at it. Go ahead. Verse 16. He said, Cause shall thou be in the city. So it's not about running to America. Some people will run away from Nigeria and run to UK, run to because you think that it is going to the city. He said, even when you get to the city, what will happen to you there? It's not about the city, it's about the cost that followed you to the city. It may be ancestral. You see, let me tell you why ancestral causes and covenants and all those demons are working and holding and hindering people is because, first of all, they are living in sin. Are you hearing me? Go and do family prayer, breaking of covenant and causes. Seven times, you will still have the same problem until you surrender to Jesus and give your life to Christ and begin to live a holy and a righteous life. That's when you see yourself entering into the blessings of God. So it's not about going to city. Cause shall be to you, we are in the field. Go ahead. Cause shall be thy basket and thy store. Go ahead. Cause shall be the fruit of your body. So your children will be caused too. The fruit of your land. 
Increase of your kind, your flock, your business, everything will be caused because you are not obeying God. You are living in sin. You are telling lies. You are living in you know, adultery. You are committing fornication, watching pornography, committing masturbation. You see everything you are doing. See, when they say cause, cause does not, is not eating on the head. How do you know? Go to Genesis 3. In your sweat, you will be eating. Go ahead. It's a cause of you when you come in, when you go out, the sentence is following. Go ahead. The Lord shall send upon you cursing, vexation, in everything you set your hand to do. So run away from one business, enter another. What will happen? Because you had the word of God about tithing, you had the word of God about thanksgiving, you had the word of God about serving Him, you don't obey it. And you are doing your own. When you obey God, you will experience his blessing instead of the curse. Tell your neighbor, God is a can curse. So when you hear curse, you don't say that it's only the devil that curse, or people curse, or uh, ancestral spirit. No. Amen. Number three causes of poverty. Hidden and unconfessed sin. There is not the sentence as number two. Number two is obvious you know, disobedience, rebellion against God. You are living in sin. You don't want to care about the commandment of God. This one is found in Proverbs 28, verse 13. Please get Proverbs 28, 13. He said, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But he that confesses his sin shall what? Let's go together, everybody. Read it now. One to go. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whosoever confesses and forsakes it shall what? Listen carefully. Forget about all these pro uh, prophecies they are giving you. You will prosper. Amen. Look at the Bible. You committed abortion. You covered it. Nobody is aware. No confession. Kill the baby. I went to preach somewhere. In our favor, some years ago, no, not years ago, last year. The people that are there are over 1,000 persons. And after the preaching, I wanted to run away. About three or four of them met me and they said they want me to do counseling for them. And one of them was a young man who said to me that while he was in secondary school, he was living in a boarding house and it was boys' school. And he said, there is this boy that he molested sexually in a homosexual act. He forced the boy into homosexual act with him. And when the boy reported it to the seniors, or no, no, he didn't report to the seniors, he reported, he's a senior now. He reported it to his people and they are talking about it. And they, you know, the other senior said, he cannot do that kind of thing. They now asked him, he said no. They began to punish the boy for accusing a senior, which is not a false accusation. It's actually a true one. So the boy suffered twice. Are, are you getting me? The boy suffered molestation of homosexuality and suffered beatings, terrible beatings for accusing a senior, which is not true. I asked him, do you know where this boy is now? Can you locate him? He said, no. There are some particular sins that you will not go away with. You must open it up if you want to prosper. 
God does not tell lies. He that covereth his sin shall not what? You can't prosper. You may run to America, Australia. You will still suffer there. They will put you in prison there. Nobody will remember you. Somebody was telling me about his brother that died in Malaysian prison. What did he go to Malaysia to do? To make money. Is he alive today? It's not about traveling abroad. God can bless you in Nigeria. Talk to your neighbor. He can make you to have financial dominion in Enugu here. If not, why not? And it's already happening. I say it's already happening. Another reason, number four now, is laziness. Let's be fast. Proverbs 20 verse 13. Laziness is one cause of poverty. Laziness. Proverbs 20 13 quickly. Yes. That one is talking about sleep. Let's go together. I want to go. Love not sleep, lest you will come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with bread. Tell your neighbor, do not love sleep because poverty is coming to you. I see poverty coming. I see poverty coming. This your loving of sleep is a problem. The Bible is the truth. Eh? Some of us, you will sleep and sleep and sleep away your destiny. Eight hours in 24 hours. After 50 years or 70 years, you have slept. Is it 25 of your years? Just sleeping. Open your eyes. And you will have abundance. Laziness. As a student, you are sleeping. At the end of the semester, you come back with a poor result. Poverty is not only in money. Poverty is in everything. If you are a preacher and you will not wake up in the night to pray, seek God for anointing, seek God for the word of God so that you can give the people the word of God that will feed their life. You will come up and preach a poor message and people will go empty. Have you seen a situation where you come to a church or a program and man of God is preaching but it looks as if everything is preaching, you know it. Have you seen that kind of thing? Or, you know, you even know better than the man. Do you feel excited coming back? That is poor preaching. Poor man of God. And he will remember because who will bless your life when he has not been blessed by you? The law of blessing is that when you bless people, people will bless you. That's the law. Poverty in your place of work. And then, I don't think we have time to read that, but just open to... Proverbs chapter 6, verse 9 to 11. 9 to 11 says what? How long will you sleep, O Lord? O sluggard? When will thou arise out of your sleep? Is the equation. Answer it. He said, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. What will happen? So shall your poverty, your own particular poverty, Eh? come upon you as one that is traveling. He has packed properly planned to come. And your wants, your needs will come to you as an armed man. Some of us, you keep saying, hey, I wish I'm the one that have this house. I wish I'm the one that own this car. I wish, oh, oh, I wish. Stop wishing. Go to work. Tell your neighbor, stop wishing. Go to work. Stop complaining that price of things are rising in Nigeria. 
Uh, did you hear what happened in the market? What I bought six thousand last week is now twenty one thousand. Hey, and then you that is saying, Hey, Madame Excuse me. Go to ask God for things that you will do to rise because if you are waiting for things to come down, they are not coming down. You waited last day, did they come down? January, you are hoping, did they come down? Tell your neighbor, go to work. Number five, stinginess. <laughs> Luke six thirty-eight says what? Please get for us Proverbs eleven twenty-four. But I'm going to quote Luke six thirty-eight. You should know it by head, except if you are not a giver. Give and it shall be what given to you. It's a law. Good measure. Press down, shaking together. Shall men do what? Now look at Proverbs 11 24. He said, There is he that scattereth, and yet, instead of losing what is happening, is increasing the more. He doesn't, he doesn't tally with your, your brain calculation. He said, If I give this now, I will not have. No, scatter, and you will increase the more. What again? Now there is he that withholdeth more than his meat, but he tended to what? Poverty. It will tend to poverty when you are stingy. Go ahead. 25. The liberal soul shall be what? And he that watereth shall be what? Go ahead. Number six, uh, 26. He that withholdeth corn. The people shall do what? They will curse you. But blessing will be upon him that what? Sell it. it. Sell it. it. You know that Jesus said, listen, Jesus said, sell what you have and give arms. Jesus said, go to business. Sell what you have. You have something. We are going to treat it maybe next week. So that you will see the life and the teachings of Jesus on financial dominion. Our master dominated and he taught us how to dominate. Be here on time next week. And you will, we are going to examine that. We are going to also examine the motivations for financial dominion. But let's look at number six and seven and close. Number six says, mix management of resources. Proverbs 28. Okay, let's take it as number seven. Get Proverbs 28 verse 20 first. Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man shall, be, shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. He that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Go to verse 22. Verse 22. He that hasted to be rich has an evil eye, greediness, covetousness, and considereth not, is not thinking that poverty shall come upon him. Poverty will always come upon every man that is making haste to be rich. Instead of you following the principles of righteousness, you are going through what you means. That's haste. Haste is one of the causes of poverty. Trying to get rich by any means that is unrighteous. Then number seven, which is the last. Proverbs 28, 19. Just get us 19. 19 says, He that tilleth his land shall have what? Plenty of bread. But he that followeth after them persons shall have Poverty, how? Enough. 
Tell your neighbor, what do you need? Enough poverty. Enough one. He that follows wasting your time looking for the latest gossip in town. Eh? You will not sit down to walk. In Luke 16, Jesus gave a parable to the disciples on management of resources. So number seven is mismanagement of resources. He gave a parable of a, an unfaithful steward that wasted the goods of his master. And the master said, you have wasted my goods. Verse 2. He said, he called him and said, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give account of your stewardship because you will no longer be a steward. Your stewardship has ended because you are a, a mismanager. The little that God gave you, you will not allow God to direct you on how to use it. There are some of us that, you know, as we are talking about those who are uh, stingy, let me say that even those who are liberal, generous, you must also bring your natural liberality under the leading of the Spirit. Because there are some of us that you will have money provided for you by God to use it to pay the school fees of your children. You will carry the money and give. And then you come back and tell your children that God will provide. But God has provided. But because you misappropriated, somebody say misappropriation. misappropriation. When we entered this city in 2016, we suffered financial hardship and poverty so much that one day I began to pray and say, God, but why? I wanted to find out. That's one of the things you should do. A noble thing to do. If you notice that your life is not going the way it should go. As I was praying, praying, God spoke to me and said, you have committed the sin of misappropriation. I said, Lord, I don't know what misappropriation is. How shall I know the sin of misappropriation? He now said, listen, in civil service, they, there is a the money that they call overhead. The government sends it every month so that the establishment will use it to run the establishment. And then there is another one they call capital for capital project. That is, if you want to tar road or buy generator or anything, they send this occasionally. Now, he said to me, if you are a director of an establishment and they send money for overhead and you will use that money to do capital projects, that is misappropriation. And if the auditors come, they will sack you. It's amounting to sack. It's a serious offense. Taking money that is meant for this and using it for this. And God said to me, that is the root of your financial hardship. I said, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. He said, you are going to mourn for your sin for three days so that you will not commit it again. I'm not going into that today. Maybe another day. one of the roots of poverty. Mismanagement of resources. The little that God gave you, you will not ask God, how do you want this money to be spent? You are just spending it the way you thought wise. And before you know it, it is finished. And we come back again and say, God, it has finished. And then you notice that nobody is talking to you. And then you say, God is not faithful. God is faithful. By next week, we will look at the life of Jesus as an example of a man that worked in financial dominion and 
some of his teachings on financial dominion. And then we also look at the motivations for financial dominion. And if we have time, we get into the keys to financial dominion. But for today, I think we have had enough to pray. Rise on your feet and pray and say, God, I am sorry in any way I have offended in this matter. Forgive me and deliver me from poverty and financial hardship. The anointing is here. I prayed, I fasted for you, and today God asked me to pray for you. And today you will see the miracle. But you need to pray first of all. Say to God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Can I hear you pray out? Maybe you are still living in sin. You have an unconfessed sin. You have hidden. Say to God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I come to you today. I want to come out. Comfort. If you are here, you have not given your life to Christ. You are still deceiving yourself. Maybe you notice that you don't want to surrender totally. You are still living in sin, secret sin or open sin. Confess your sins to God. Jesus is waiting to receive you. You are in the midst of the people of God. You are in the house of God. Say to him, Lord, I'm here. I need you. I need you in my life. Malepo shandala basanda. Sando kandelepo shanda. Or you notice that money has been controlling your attitude and your character. Say to God, I'm getting free. I must rise in this season to financial dominion. No more struggle. You have, but it's not always enough. Malepo shanda rabasanda. Rabakundelepo shanda. Lendelepo shanda rabasanda. Or you are lazy. Or you are lazy, loving sleep, gossiping, not knowing what to do. Can you come to God and say, God, I submit to you. God say, have dominion. Have dominion. Have dominion. Dominion over money. Dominion over everything. Dominion over the earth. Jesus came to recover that dominion. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Please, when you get to your house, make sure you pray more over these points. I want to pray for you. Two sets of people I will pray for and I will conclude. The first set of people... You are here and you are saying to God, I need your divine intervention in my finance. I need your help. I have seen my wrong. I am repenting today. I want you to intervene, shorten my journey. I want you to do something remarkable. The Lord has come and he's going to help you. If you are that person, can I see your two hands up as I pray? Lift up your two hands as I pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. I saw a door. I saw a door locked with a key that has rusted. And I saw an angel unlocking that door. That door is open now. And I saw somebody's finance lying all over. The enemy locked you out of your resources. But God has come. Anointing breaks the yoke. I saw men as if their hands were on chains. The chains are broken. For Jesus came to set the captives free. Listen, listen, listen. You will see miracle in your finance this week. Before the end of the month, you will notice that the Lord God you met today is a real God. He has a reason for miracle. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There is someone here. You are sick in your body. And your sickness has limited you. When you are supposed to walk, you have strength to walk. But your sickness has limited you from walking and doing what you are supposed to do. The Lord is taking away that sickness from you. You are healed. Come on, you sickness and this oppression of the enemy. I cast you out of that body. Let that body receive healing now. Let that body receive healing now. Let it receive healing now. In the name of Jesus. I saw a waterproof that was tied being opened. And I saw something like a cloth being brought out of that waterproof. Oh, that's good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Somebody, you are supposed to be in clothing business. You are supposed to be selling clothes. But that has been hidden away from you. The Lord is making it clear to you now. That this is the business he will use to bless your life. Come on. Enter into that business now. And prosper in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, there is someone here. You are repenting from your sin and you have seen that sin is a source of cause. And you are coming to Jesus with all your heart. And as you have prayed that prayer, as you are doing that, I saw generational causes, ancestral causes that has been limiting you wiped away by the blood. That limitation is taken away. That limitation is taken, is affecting your brain. It's affecting your thinking capacity. It's affecting ideas that are supposed to come to your head. That should move you forward. Come on, that limitation is taken away. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. What did I hear now? I hear fear rolled away. Now, somebody, God is telling you to enter into a particular business. But you are afraid. The Lord said, do not be afraid. I am with you. Go ahead. Fear is cast out of your life. Because fear is a spirit. You will get boldness from now. And you will prosper. In the name of Jesus Christ. 
place those two hands on your head. Father, I pray for a sign upon everyone that has attended this meeting today. Let there be a sign of financial breakthrough in their life. From this day, first Sunday of this month and first Sunday of the last quarter of the year, let there be a testimony. The students that are poor in their results, that poverty is overwritten. The ministers, the businessmen, the civil servants that are poor in their approach to work and their business, that is rolled away. The grace to soar higher is upon you now. The Bible says, for our sake, Jesus became poor so that we will become, we will be rich. And so that exchange at the cross, let it become yours now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening. We trust you are blessed by God's word. This message and many more can be downloaded from our website, www.calvaryonline.org. For testimonies, counseling, and prayers, you can send an email to calvaryrevivalabels at gmail.com or call 080-6560-7999. You could also follow us on all our social media platforms at Calvary Revival Labels. <laughs>